Hi guys, my name is Ailey Blankenship and I'm here with Nathan Hernandez. It is very nice to be in your podcast today. Thank you for being here. So pleasure's mine. Today we're gonna talk about um e-voting basically. Voting and technology, its pros and cons, and you know how we personally feel about it. So Nathan, how do you personally feel about this topic? I disagree with the idea of electronic voting or e-voting as um, some people so some people would call it or countries actually that have tried it what do you think um i like the idea i think if it was done correctly um it could be really helpful to um the u.s as it is but i think until it's finally gotten to its peak um of maximum usage, I don't think it's a smart idea. So, all right, I believe we should dive in into the advantages and disadvantages. So, given that you believe it's a good idea, what are the advantages that you would um, that you think that well of e-voting? Okay, so basically, like, um, society continues to progress, and as society has progressed, technology has obviously become so increasingly prevalent in our lives. I mean, if you walk down the street, I mean, you, you'll see people completely delve into their phone, unaware of their surroundings. So it's obvious that, you know, we value our technology and this could be used to an advantage in the voting process. Um, more and more people are becoming knowledgeable of how to use technology to its fullest. So it's only natural that technology can be used for the purpose of making technology easier. I mean, voting easier become more efficient you can release results at a quicker pace you can allow people to see results in real time you can see how different candidates are doing um i think it can fix the issue of people who may not be able to come to the voting polls you know including people who are in the military people in nursing homes people who don't have easy access to transportation they may be able to do it from the comfort of their own home um i think it'll also allow people to feel more secure. They know that they're anonymous in a sense, you know, they're not going out in public and doing it themselves. So um, I think voting would actually really allow the experience to be tailored to them. You know, you could actually feel like your your voice is being heard. You're contributing to the process because you're doing it from your own comfort. I think that if done right and if security and voter fraud and um, inaccessibility and unreliability all those issues were eliminated and we finally found a way to truly maximize this process I think it would be so beneficial um, considering our society today I really agree with you I would say that I agree with you because um, me being a political science student uh, we speak of <laughs> how uh, there aren't well there are not a lot of people that um are involved in politics that don't care there there are people that don't yeah. care about politics if anything i don't want to get off topic so much but uh there's a, a, a stat out there that's uh, that 50 percent of the country identify as either conservative or liberal while you have a quarter that would identify themselves as moderates and the rest the other quarter were they just don't care they want they don't want to identify with anything why because yeah. people aren't informed people don't care enough however mm-hmm. If it were to um, implement um, electronic voting, I believe, especially this, 
Well, we can dive into this in a bit, but I feel like this would bring out especially young people to come out and vote. Yes. Uh, we see a lot of young people now are getting involved in politics and uh, find it interesting, I, I guess, because it has to do with their future. Uh, the mm-hmm. politics of today determine the future of our future. It determines our future. Yeah, definitely. Um, but when it comes to as I was uh, as I was I was researching. Um, when you told me about this, uh, countries that have uh, uh, tried this uh, this system, such as the UK, Estonia, Estonia, and Switzerland, especially Estonia, I see that Estonia. I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that Estonia still has mm-hmm. um, the e-voting, but uh, from what I've seen, according to the Guardian, uh, it's only five po- five point four percent of voters use the online system to make their choice and mm-hmm. then we look um and, and and we consider the youth participation and um voting in estonia it's only 5.2 percent so i believe that could be uh, for we look at other countries that have tried it we can see they're not very successful if in yeah. the uk the uk and switzerland have been really iffy about it um the uk um actually tried tried it uh 2002 2003 and 2007 mm-hmm. um it seems but like they backed off from it so in switzerland as well because as you had mentioned voter fraud uh we really don't know who's actually voting behind the screen if it's the person itself or if yeah. it's someone else um, or perhaps they're buying the vote. Who knows? There's just a lot of security concerns and a lot of lack of transparency. So I believe uh, those are the two main, uh, well, I guess lack of con- transparency would fall under security concerns. But I feel like this uh, security concerns is uh, or are the main argument against yeah, um, e-voting. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Or I don't want to argue, of course. I'm not going to debate, but yes, yes. Uh, so I feel I personally feel this is why electronic voting wouldn't be efficient because for the most part as you said we are, we're all on our cell phones we're all on our um, electro, um, electronic devices and usually the ones I feel like e-voting would appeal or the idea of e-voting would appeal to um, the youth but I, as we have seen other countries that have tried e-voting or try e-voting um it's not it's a flop we could say to a certain extent it's a flop because especially for teenagers don't come out to vote if they don't come out to the ballots um to vote i just don't think um if like them voting in general would appeal to them whether it's electronically or going to the ballots Mm -hmm. well i mean you have to think about it this way i think teenagers in general are lazy not in a bad way yes that's true that's true you know they're lazy and i think using technology to vote at least will appeal to them so much more because they're like okay well i don't have to go out to the freaking you know um where they have to go vote to vote they can just be like oh well i can do it from the comfort of my own home but yes Mm -hmm. like there's there's so many things that would have to be fixed and that would have to be consistently tested over and over and and over again um for example like you said voter fraud we don't know who's voting we don't know if it's actually them we would have to find ways to actually ensure that the people 
are who they say they are, whether that be, you know, facial recognition in, in addition to their, um, you know, identification, whatever they use, um, it, there would have to be some sort of a reliable way. And then we would have to eliminate the fact that some people really want to be anonymous. People don't want, you know, their faces being out there in some sort of interface. But I think with all those things aside, I think that it would be such a great initiative to take because um, especially for people who speak different languages, you know, um, with having an, an electronic interface, you can completely customize it to your preferences um, in a hypothetical application um, for voting. If you're um, Hispanic and you speak Spanish, you could completely customize the interface for you to speak Spanish, therefore making voting a lot more easier for you, making you feel a lot more comfortable in the voting process. Um, like I said, even people like in the countryside or people in the military or people in nursing homes, there was an article I read on, um, from CNN, um, by Kaya Uriev. She talked about it, how people in the military, people in nursing homes, these people don't always have the ability to get to voting polls. Um, the process can honestly make the ability to vote easier. They can you know it's more accessible for them and especially um since more and more people know how to use technology it's just it's it makes sense to have technology to enhance the voting process but you know obviously like i said we would have to truly make sure that voter fraud um is eliminated as well as inaccessibility and unreliability because you know, hacking as technology progresses becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger threat. What if a different country or a different world power hacks into the um, app and completely tampers with the votes? That's a concern. We would have to make technology or security that completely eliminates the fact that somebody could hack into it and even that if somebody does we would have to find a way to completely block them out of it or to completely make sure that the that the results that we have are untampered and raw results you know yes um, that's what i think i, I feel honestly personally believe and i don't want to get off the topic as i was saying previously but i'm going to insist a lot on the fact that e-voting or the idea i'm not going to say this fact on the idea that uh, e-voting may be considered, or evil, people are inclined to e-voting or advocating for e-voting for it to be a solution for people to come out and vote. Um, when in reality, I feel like that wouldn't be a proper solution for that. Going back to what I said, a lot of people don't care about politics. Um, I feel in order to get people, uh, in order to get people to come out and vote, whether it's through e-voting or whether it's going through the ballot to ballots, I feel like we should. Uh, we should inform people because as i said most americans most of the time pay little attention to politics because they have little practical reason to do so and 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 because of this reason we have um a lot of especially young people and i say this for myself um we have a lot of people that are can can be easy they're vulnerable in the sense that their their ideologies can be easily um changed or they can be easily convinced yeah. and so that is why many young people you see like uh 
like Michael Knowles or Ben Shapiro. Them, I can, I would consider them, and I don't think I'm wrong on um, by saying this. I would consider them, consider them as opinion leaders, and and most, I would say, a lot of teenagers, especially a lot of um, young people. They, uh, since people are good at shortcuts, they can use cues and shortcuts to help them form pretty good opinions with little information. They look up to many yeah. leaders such as Ben Shapiro, such as Michael Knowles. But of course, we cannot disregard that there will always be a bias, and that are not just opinion leaders, um, their political their political party, uh, their interest group endorsements, etc. Things That's like true. these to help them figure things out. And so, because of uh, and this reason also. A lot of people tend to go for issue publics. Issue publics are subsets of the population who are better informed than everyone else about an issue because it touches them more directly and personally. Like, for example, me, um, I have immigrant parents. Uh, being the son of an immigrant, well, yes, I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, I advocate for immigration. I, I, uh, I well, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for immigration. But going back to to what I'm trying trying to say. A lot of people are really, um, they're not informed, which is a reason for why people don't come out to vote. And I believe, yes, e-voting has its pros and cons, although the challenges outweigh the benefits. We must take into account the yeah. costs and benefits that come with this. I, Definitely. Um, I feel like e-voting wouldn't necessarily be a solution to get people to come out to vote. Um, so, yes, this is why I believe, and I gave you a few reasons for, um, we mostly were, mostly, main reason is a security concern it's a security concern yeah um, definitely and so i believe because of that uh i think it's inefficient it's not practical it's, it's not a practical solution to get people to come out to vote because it's we have replication already we have in estonia an example that they still use it not a lot of people come out especially teenagers do they do not come out so i feel it's more of the problem is more of um the lack of information and the lack of knowledge in politics and people not Definitely. coming out to vote. So yes, that's my take on e-voting and voting in general, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you. People definitely, especially teenagers or young people, or even people who um, aren't, you know, directly involved or know much about politics, you need to be informed more somehow, some way. Um, in what ways do you think people could be better informed? Well, I last semester when I was at Wingate, I uh, I took uh, I, I took intro to poli sci, and so we spoke. We did spend uh, a third of the semester speaking about information. And if anything, you saw a book out there, I would um, I would highly recommend anyone to like for anyone to read this book. It's called. Um, um, the, 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 the signal and noise yeah I think it's the signal and the noise by Nate Silver um, and so and he speaks a lot about information but how there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of noise the noise is pretty much what distracts you from that information and so uh, he gives a lot of examples of how um, a lot of things I feel like information and when it comes to information a lot of people avoid information that uh, will will challenge their ideas, and I believe that's I mean, of course that's wrong. You want to challenge your ideas. You want to challenge. You want to challenge your ideologies to see if you're actually yeah. right in what you believe in. And so, um, but I feel like a lot of people ignore or disregard information that's actually correct, factual information. And so, but because of this, people are tend to incline more towards what um, Nate Silver um, describes it as the noise. What all the all that pretty much 
garbage. We could say all that. We could fake news, as we see how that's become a narrative. Um, not just Donald Trump's narrative, but like the Republican Party's narrative uh, of fake news yeah. and how we should get rid of it. And um, so, and I'm not going. To, I mean, I'm not trying to dive too much into information. That's not the topic. But I feel <laughs> like it, there's an elation that exists between voting and information. You must be informed to in order to vote um, properly. So, yeah. or to vote for the right candidate, I believe. But he speaks of, for example, he gave a lot of uh, the, the recession of 2018. He gave an example of that. Uh, 2008, I'm sorry, recession of 2008. Uh, it could have been avoided. And uh, he speaks about of uh, how a lot of institutions were getting high ratings from. Um, they were getting really high ratings, like triple A's and whatnot. And so uh, that was one of the reasons. And and Silver goes in into this how. Um, it could have been predicted because, but because people wanted to disregard all that, all what was happening, um, they decided to disregard that, and then, bam, we have the recession of 2008. Same thing with 9/11. Yeah. Uh, we, and there's some, there's actually I saw a documentary a few years ago along this, but Silver Dawn goes in on how there were, um, I believe there weren't even actually um, there were people that were from like, uh, like Egypt. I don't know. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. Egyptians and whatnot. There were not just people from Iraq or Afghanistan, but there were like people from the Middle East and Northern Africa that were involved in this uh, in, in the 9/11 incident. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing is that there were so many cues. There were so many. Uh, 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 there were a lot of clues. Pretty a lot much. of indicators. Indicators. Yes. Thank you. To determine um, or to pre- predict that 9/11 would happen, but people ignored yeah. that, and then we have 9/11. Um, the AIDS epidemic as well. I, I believe it's in the 80s. Uh, I don't know, Mr. Johnson, you can correct me. Um, I know Johnson <laughs> will know what I'm talking about, but it's the um, AIDS um, it's not epidemic, but the one, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to call it epidemic. But the problem they had with the AIDS, I believe in the 80s, whenever um, there were like vaccines and whatnot, that could have been avoided as well, but people wanted to disregard it. And I feel like since they were tackling a new problem, I, I would see why um, it would be. It, they would do that. It would be impulse to ignore certain information, given that yeah. it was something new. But going back to what I said, it's just a lot of people tend to ignore factual, true information, accurate information, because they know it's they don't find it convenient to their ideologies. Uh, yeah. So that I feel like when it comes, uh, people, we just gotta, we just have to educate people. We have to raise awareness. We have to um, provide factual information not fake news not false information we have to inform people and then you give a really good point of how um about voting about e-voting going back to e-voting how it would be really efficient and practical for people that don't speak english um or 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 that perhaps we have a lot of um citizens uh, i know like some people from my church that have uh became citizens uh, u.s yeah. citizens and yes uh they they um they have a right of course a right to vote but um and they're hispanics the thing is that yes you learn the basic english but they don't understand uh the, the topics the issues that are present or that are at hand here in the united states or in yeah. the country and so i believe as you said it would be good to inform people um, um to inform people in different other languages uh, although a lot of people would argue, no, you know, we should keep everything in English and whatnot. Uh, conservatives do this a lot, especially conservatives yeah. like to do this, like you know, idea English, of nativism. Yeah, although the United States does not have an official language, which is uh, which is uh, which is uh, um, obvious. They, they still yeah. argue, you know, English, English. Uh, but then again, if we want to have a better um, 
voter turnout, if we want to have a better informed American population, I feel like we should go to the sixth sense. I feel it would be beneficial to go to the sixth sense. Why? Because the benefits out, what outweigh the costs. Yeah. I would say there are there are hardly any challenges or, or costs to this. Um, the benefits are definitely greater. So, um, in conclusion, I would say in order to e-voting, yes, good good idea uh, to a certain extent. I guess has its pros and cons. I've done right as um as you as you said. Sure, e-voting we could try it, but that won't really solve the issue that it's at hand, which is to get voters or to, to come out. Um, they want yeah. e-voting to be a method in which voters can easily vote. Yes, that's that's cool and all, but we need to get voters to come out. How, how do we do that? By informing um, the, the American population. So yes, that's my intake, and that is why I believe that e-voting would be inefficient. Yeah, I can see your side of it. I really can. Because while researching this topic, I definitely looked at it from both sides. And both sides have very strong um, arguments on one hand. Um, On one hand, e-voting would definitely simplify the process. Like I said earlier, it's definitely better for people who speak different languages. And not even that, it's also better for the disabled. You know, having having an interface... Yes, definitely. Having an interface that is completely um, accessible for people who are blind, um, having, you know, audio play for them and everything, um, that they're able to do that, you know, just, I think it would be great, like I said, if done morally correct, and, you know, if we could do it, Um, but in conclusion, I guess you could say. Um, pros and cons we outline them both um, as time progresses we might see electronic voting become part of our general elections you know oh yeah definitely the, yeah I think it's definitely it's coming sooner or later um, and I think it's going to have I a just, really large impact on the way we see this as a whole I, I believe that we should just yes that's good that, that um, we consider that voting but I feel like we should also look at antecedents such as this other country mm-hmm. that I named Switzerland Estonia United Kingdom um, I believe that we should learn from them and uh, yeah of course it's um, I don't know uh, I just I believe that we should look into to other countries replication that's part of the scientific method <laughs> um, and, and of course we, what I'm studying political science scientific method is something huge of course um, it's it's necessary in order to uh, be a successful political scientist and seeing it from um, from from that uh, standpoint I believe that we should look at other countries replication other countries that have done it uh, it would be a good idea but I feel like um, we shouldn't waste those resources we shouldn't um, waste yeah those sources resources um, on evoing and we should just expand those resources on as I have said um, informing, informing people. people. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like, as you said, it could happen. There's a possibility of it happening. I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I do agree. It's once we, once people are informed, then that will contribute actually to increased efficiency in the voting process. I think our. Um, the outcomes will more accurately represent the people in this country, you know, because I feel like a lot of people who go and vote are just kind of the older 
Oh yeah, you know, more um, informed people, and, and and that's a good point. It reflects. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point that you give out. Um, because in my American politics class, because what I'm telling you about, like, I, I've learned it, from, you know, from school, so you know, college is paying off. But uh, when whenever you mentioned how uh, being informed is necessary, it's it's essential, honestly. For yeah. Any, for every voter, it's essential. But, um, when it comes to to people that are informed, the ones that are the most informed, on average, are older, more educated, yeah. have higher incomes, are more likely to be white, and more likely to be male. Yes. I'm trying to be racist or sexist? No. Um, but that, that's the reality. It's what right? reflects. And yes. It's a sad reality. And they're older. They're I feel like I, I'm. I mean, there's, there's other. Uh, we can all we can have a whole episode, um, or episodes. We can have um episodes yeah. on information and the, the um how the yeah the the intricacies that exist, um, or that underlie information. But as you said, the voters that come out usually are the older or more educated, have higher in- incomes, more likely to be white and more likely to be to be male. So, um, yeah, diverse, um, diverse um, voters. I know for for African Americans, I believe there were, um, I think in the year 1970, from the year 1970, I think there were about um, like 2K, a little bit over 2K. As I said, Mr. Johnson can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there, there were about, uh, I think like 2K. Um, African American voters that came out, mm-hmm. and of course, whenever the um, Civil Rights Act passed, in, what 1964? Yeah, um, yeah, it was 1964. Uh, throughout time, you saw uh, voter out um, turnout uh, from a great voter voting turnout from uh, voter turnout from the African American population. According, I, I believe in around 2000 or 2002. Yeah, uh, I think it's 2002. There were. Uh, well, around those years, 2000 or 2002, there were about um, over 9K uh, voters, African-American voters coming out. And and now, of course, it's been, for what, from the from that step, from the 2000, 2002, it's been um, about 20 years already. So yeah. I'm sure with the technology that we have, with the advances in technology that we have, I, I sh- I'm strongly, um, sh- I'm strongly sure that, or, yeah, I, I'm sure that, um, more African Americans, and not just African Americans, Hispanics, for example, in Nevada, uh, I want, I'm pretty sure it's in Nevada. The the, the great, uh, I think the Latin American or the um, Latino vote um, vote was greater than the African American. I think I, I don't know, Mr. Johnson, wow. correct me as I'm saying, but yeah, my point is that the Latino um, vote in Nevada um, was very uh, was very crucial and was very. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. It, 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 the Latino came out and voted, and so I feel not just Latinos but Asians, um, other uh, other uh, minorities will definitely come out and vote. And so yeah. that ties back to e-voting, as you said. Um, as um, we see in the UK and whatnot, they they, they tried this in 2002. They, they, man, I don't I don't think the UK is very diverse. I, I don't know, not as diverse as the United States. I'd say. No, but, um, definitely not. And, but we see they try this one was it uh as I, I said it they tried this um in 2002 2003 and 2007 
Um, and again, I guess this is a disadvantage about looking into these other countries like Estonia, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. They're not as diverse as the United States is. And since the United States is diverse, um, we, us as minorities, we have different problems. We tackle different problems. Of course, we have our common problems such as poverty or, um, yeah. or yeah, low income. But we also have our, our different problems. We have perhaps yeah discrimination. We share discrimination to a certain extent. But we see uh, minorities are um, like we don't count the African American community. Um, we we count let's say that we speak of the Latino, the Asians, or people that come from other countries and that have family or that are children of immigrants. Um, they're they, they the issue they, they face is or they want to tackle is immigration. African Americans don't worry about that. So I feel like. Um, since there's a city in, mm-hmm. in, in the country, of course, there will be more issues to tackle. Yeah, it has to do with, um, with what's it called? Collective action problems. It has to do a lot with collective action problems as well. Yeah. Um, and this one of the collective action problems that um, we face as a country are, is cooperation. And whenever, or coordination, sorry, coordination. And, when it, when, and one of the, I guess, uh, traits that uh, that would fall under uh, coordination would be the more people you have the harder it will be to tackle a problem and uh, yeah it, definitely. it can either be good or bad it's like a um it's, yeah it's like um it can go either way yes you want to have a lot of like in the federalist paper what was um named who, who, who madison madison james, it, madison. Yeah, madison yeah james madison is it james yeah. madison yeah that one is, i'm pretty sure it was him yeah um yeah um in the um, Federalist Paper number 10 he speaks about factions and how they can be bad and whatnot and I remember we spoke about this last semester in my um, in my poli sci class and uh, how factions um, you don't want to have um, you don't want to have a little bit of big groups um, or majorities we could say you want to have yeah. several minorities you want to have multitude of minorities in order to have a diversity in ideas so that's what i'm saying it can go either way um yes it'll be hard to get to reach to a conclusion because everyone um uh, everyone approaches a problem differently everyone has different solutions um to the problem everyone feels differently about the problem but at the same time you're you have a, a plethora of solutions given that you have a lot of different backgrounds and this has to do with um um, ideologies and partisan, partis- um, yeah, um, partisanships, um, and so I, I feel like as we have a growing uh, minority community, I guess, or we have minorities that are growing, uh, and, and as I said, they face different problems. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like, in, in, yeah, I feel like it, it would be, it would be in that sense, it would be efficient. The voting would be somewhat efficient for them. Yeah. Um, because many people I know, especially uh, um, people like I guess we I don't I don't want to speak for the entire Hispanic minority, but a lot of them would wouldn't really come out. Why? Because they feel inferior, given that yeah, they're not informed, um, and that they could be discriminated. It's like, well, you're not really well informed. How are you going to vote? Um, so I, I feel like uh, that would be, I guess, to be anonymous. I guess in the yeah. sense to vote anonymously but um, yeah it's, that's what we should do take in consideration both advantages and disadvantages in order to tackle problems and try to be uh, um, as uh, um, unbiased as possible um, and yeah. that's one of the issues that we face we're very polarized so it's really really hard to find um, news outlets that are very reliable and they're not that are unbiased 
And most yeah. of them are, a lot of them, not most of them, but a lot of them are biased. And so I feel like in order to tackle these kind of issues, we should weigh in um, both both sides in order to um, tackle this problem. Yeah, be, pretty much be a moderate. I mean, I would consider myself a moderate. And I would say that the moderate group in the United States, the moderate um, community growing. is starting to grow. Yeah, it, it's growing because a lot because of so much polarization, people are becoming, are, are getting sick of this. And, and, and speaking about, um, I was watching the last debate, the last Macaque debate, um, Pete Buttigieg was uh, he actually said uh, well pretty much was saying you know hey you know we're sick of you know bashing each other and whatnot now imagine seeing Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump and you know, all like on live <laughs> TV are going at it like and I, I the way I understood that was like well because we see how when um, Bernie Sanders had an interview and he was like pretty much praising Cuba and and their um, socialism and their and whatnot and, and whatnot and their their government and whatnot and so. Um, and so uh, I think, yeah, it was, it was Cuba and, and he, and people, and because of that, like, and not just that, there's other, there are other things that, um, Sanders upholds, but a lot of people see him as radical. And so, and, and it's interesting. He's different. The, yeah. At the end of the debate, he was like, they were like, um, so tell us a misconception that uh, people have about, of you and Sanders Sanders like, and I'm a radical. And so I was like, that, that's ironic. <laughs> that's funny. Um, and so, but yeah, um, and I feel like with Buttigieg acknowledges that um, yeah. Sanders is very extreme. He's very radical. And Trump is very Definitely. conservative. Very so exactly. that Yes, and that would be like that would set the stage that would set the stage for a very, very polarized uh, polarized debate. And I feel like Definitely. people are getting sick of this. People are actually getting sick of this. I'm getting sick of it. Um, I'm sure you're getting sick of it. So Definitely. I feel and that's why I feel like he said that because see, who wants to watch that? We're, we're sick of it. And because of, with that being said, I, I feel like through, like in the upcoming the next of the upcoming years, I feel the moderate group will continue to grow and grow and grow. And I yeah. feel that's really good. And I I, I advocate for that. That's perfect. I believe because moderates tend to I I I would say I say this for myself because we tend to um, see both to, sides. Yes, we see both sides. Um, uh, we we balance everything out. We try to be on the bias as possible to see. That's how things sure. used to be. In like previous years, not this, um, not the previous election, yes. not the one before that, but years before that, you kind of see most of the people being in the middle. And as time has progressed, I'm we did an assignment on this in Gov. As time yeah. has progressed, um, politics has become so polarized. It's it's kind of sickening. How it is polarized. And, it is. Yeah. And I believe one of the reasons, and Mr. Johnson can correct me if I'm wrong, and I, and I say this because I mean, I'm not the one with a bachelor's degree or anything. I'm not I'm the one with a degree, <laughs> so um, he can um, um, fact check me if, I'm, if I see anything that's wrong. Um, but I believe, uh, I, being a political science student, I, the, the way I see it is because a lot of people, and so in political science, there are three different approaches, which are ethical approach, uh, empirical approach, and prudential approach. And so uh, it's... Uh, my teacher, my professor, I, I, I think it's interesting, and uh, he said that it's the most um, common one would be the prudential approach. And I'm like, eh, well, I wanna, now that I think about it, now that we're having the discussion, I think it's, it, it, yes, it could be, he could be right, it could be true to a certain extent. But at the same time, if, uh, and I'm seeing it from a very extreme um, perspective or standpoint, uh, I feel like a lot of Democrats uh, see politics from a very ethical approach. And yeah. the ethical approach is, it is what it is. People, um, they pursue the good life. 
um, and and whatnot, and they um, and, and 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 you know they pursue the common good, which is of course we know the common common good is a consistent concept. My common good could be different from yours. My common good could be different from Mr. Johnson's. Um, but we see how well people pers- um, pursue the, 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 the common good. And but honestly, um, yes, take it the the the, the, the liberals, Democrats, um, see, try to they see part of uh, the um, see politics. They try to tackle um, political problems or issues from the ethical approach. Honestly, um, I, I say quote unquote ethical approach because. They're very polarized. They're very radical, and like if you, if you say something, it's because they're so biased and polarized. If you say something, they get offended. Um, but the true ethical approach would be like figures and champions of the ethical approach would be Martin Luther King Jr., would be Bobby yeah. Kennedy, would be JFK. However, since they were trying to t- um, trying to tackle problems, or they try to tackle problems on political issues from an ethical approach, we see what happens to them. They ended up getting killed. Um, and I feel like, and, and when and conservatives tend to, most conservatives tend to also they tend to lean towards the uh, um, the empirical approach. I mean, and liberals do this as well, but I feel like this is more accentuated in the, cons- from, from the conservative viewpoint. They tend yeah. to approach from the empirical uh, approach, and I see this a lot. Me, as I said, we follow opinion leaders a lot, and like Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, the, the <laughs> they're like powerhouses. Um, I guess. When it comes to the when public when it comes to opinions and opinions and whatnot um voicing opinions i feel like they're all about you know like shapiro is like all about you know um it's all about the facts not your feelings someone cares about your feelings <coughs> so what i'm trying to get with this i feel like we should take this from a prudential approach and um to tackle problems what is wise what is best um for 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 society and i feel uh um and then again we'll always get into the debate and that is why um, another political science concept that we spoke about is which was the destruction, the destruction, accommodation, and the um, conversion um, continuum. And so, a lot of people to take the provincial approach try to uh, they, they, they they seek the accommodation aspect of it of the continuum. Yeah. But since we're so polarized, it's either destruction or conversion. Like you know, I, I I'm going to like they try to like people try to convince or persuade others that they're right and they're wrong. And yes, that's I would say that's the hardest one out of all three of them, out of all three um, parts of the continuum. Destruction would be the easiest one, um, and we see radical, very extreme, extreme groups that go that um, uphold the, the, the destruction aspect of it. But I feel like we have less of accommodation, um, and so um, because of that, we have less accommodation. Less accommodation. We have less unbiased unbiased information um less unbiased news outlets and because of that it's really hard to get informed very well it's very hard to um to to perceive that signal from the noise um so yeah i'm going back to what we're saying uh, um i feel it's just hard to get informed nowadays yes i don't want to say it's hard but it's it's just gotta you just gotta be able to look for the unbiased um and factual uh, news outlets that will give you reliable and unbiased information yeah um i kind of want to tie back to something that brought in class this doesn't have anything to do with e-voting but it does have to do with like being informed we talked about political polarization we talked about um congressional dysfunction and kind of how just biased everybody is now um and i remember johnson asked a question about um gerrymandering 
and congressional dysfunction, oh, yeah. political polarization. And I just find it interesting how all these things tie back together, you know? Congressional dysfunction can be like a pol- political polarization. Congress's inability to get things done, honestly, can be completely tied to low levels um, of political, high levels of political polarization because yeah, when public- Yeah, gridlock pretty much. Yeah, basically. Because Republicans and Democrats, they're so, you, you see this today. For example, like you said, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, they're so set in their ways and their beliefs they don't want to change. I mean, it's its so difficult to get things done, and especially another thing, gerrymandering. You know, when we draw districts to gain an advantage in Congress, um, one party has an unfair advantage, and in a way, it kind of makes the other not count, which leads to congressional dysfunction, which leads to things not getting done. And I remember having a conversation with Johnson about this, um, you know, just today we see people, they're so polarized that even if they kind of don't even agree with um, whoever their representative is mm-hmm. and what they're saying, just because they're part of that political party, they're kind of like, well, I mean, I'm not going to change my beliefs because, you know, I'm a, I'm a diehard Re- Republican or I'm a diehard yeah. Democrat. I mean, you know, and the more and more that people, this is kind of like a power hungry game. The more that people are involved in politics and the more that they're closer with politicians, the more that they're going to have antipathy to, um, towards the other political party. Why would they want to agree with them? Because they're sitting comfortably. If you're closer yeah. to somebody, if you're closer to somebody who's involved in politics, obviously you're sitting comfortably. It, which once again, political it divides political parties and people in more and more. And when you, you know, when it comes down to it, the general public, which is kind of a lot of people, they don't care as much um, about politics because they have no need to. They do things based on what is right rather than those who are politically involved. But when you look at those who are in charge. I mean, those are the people who are making decisions for us. Those are the ones, I mean, I think it's kind of like um, a business, really. Mm-hmm. Um, why would uh, they need to change their ideas if yeah. their um, representative is kind of keeping them sitting comfortably, you know? I, I feel like, and it has to do again, I'm not going, I'm not going to stop emphasizing this, the lack of information. Yeah. And so you bring that up, um, the people that support them, well, yeah, we usually win representatives or um, senators or um, pretty much the people that are, are, are our um, agents. Let's call them agents because they're the ones, that's what they're called. And Johnson can correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but they're, they're agents. <laughs> Constituents are the ones that voted for them. They're the ones representing, representing us. And so whenever they come back, um, to, to come back usually to, you know, from D.C., from town uh, halls, and so they're like pretty much telling us what they have been doing or they, what they what they've been doing on at Washington and whatnot. They're usually the people that go to town halls are the ones people that actually want to learn. They're not people that actually want to be informed to know. There are people that are very well informed. We can see their issue publics that go to um, the issue publics that go to uh, town halls. There are people that yeah. are die hard supporters for for this um for this leader that was elected and then that i feel like there's just there is less uh there's this i guess um 
how can I say uh, less of a diversity of ideas in these town halls Definitely. because the people that are voted for them go to these town halls because for the most part they're satisfied with the, with, with with what their agents have done and so yeah um, and they're the ones that are the most informed and the ones that are the most informed usually as I said in average or older um, rich, um, rich or yes have higher incomes or more educated are the, are more likely to be males or more likely to be white you know you I, I don't at least from my from my community from my from Hispanics never in my life have I heard of a Hispanic going to the town hall um, and, and it's rare I'd say it's really rare why because they don't it's they don't get informed less people are informed and when you're not informed I mean how would you know to go how would you know stuff that's going on and so I believe that people that the constituents that go to these town halls are um, are pretty much as like go um, yes, if there's something that they disagree on, um, more than likely the agent that's there, that's ha- that's holding the town hall, would um, was like, you know, yeah, we we can always work it out, we can find solutions and whatnot. Yeah, he's always going to be pretty much. I feel like for the most part, he's just going to hear like support from his um, constituents. They're going to be happy like for what he's advocating for, for what he's doing in D.C. It's more like yes, town halls are to receive feedback, and I feel most of the, for the most part, he's just going to receive positive feedback for him um, from 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 his constituents because they're biased. It's a it's a biased audience, I'd say, that go that yeah. to these town halls. And then again, going back to what I was saying, and, and it all ties in. It's relations interesting. It all ties in because why the lack of information and that is why yeah. it's, it's, it's just hard it's, it's really hard um and although information may be something as um as, not underrated but it might i feel like people just don't give importance in the significance that it requires or that important um information has i feel like people take Definitely. it for granted and I so agree. i believe it's very crucial as i said um previously it's a very crucial and essential component um in or, or yeah component for voters voters need this component in order to go to the ballots and vote accurately for the right um agents for the right represent representatives for the yeah. right um for the right leaders in general so uh yes uh it's all about information honesty in order to tackle this voting problem um it's, it's all about informing people yeah and i I think we both agree on the fact that when people become informed, voting will actually truly reflect um, the population that America has as a whole. Because if everybody is truly informed, I mean, like truly informed, not subjectively, you know, they actually have the facts, you know, getting their information from reliable news sources not having you know this polarization um we'll see um results actually reflect our population so yeah and i feel like we should have more i mean it's cool to have opinion leaders that are biased i'm not against that but i feel like you should have more opinion leaders that are willing to like negotiate accommodate when you for like johnson for example johnson (laughs) um like when I was in high school, I never. I really, it was really hard for me to tell whether Johnson was Democrat or conserv or, or Republican or liberal or conservative. Um, he to me, I mean, he can correct me if I'm wrong. I may be wrong. To me, he seemed like moderate. Like he was always. He sees biased. both sides. Yeah, he sees both sides. Unlike Jessup. Jessup, I love Jessup. I'm not saying he's wrong. He was extremely polarized. He was conservative. He was, he was a diehard Republican. Yeah, and, and it's okay. It's no matter fine. what, he, you know, he's entitled to do that. He's not wrong in doing that. But I feel like we need more people like Johnson, 
But at the same time, I don't know. It's as I said, it goes both ways. We want to have polarized yeah. people to know their genuine, um, their, their genuine goals or genuine desires. But at the same time, yeah. we need people like Johnson to like educate us, and that's quite you know, Johnson. If you hear this, oh my God, sir, I accolade you. I, I praise you so <laughs> much because um, you, you you're doing it good for not just yourself but for everyone um, by yeah, providing definitely. unbiased information by teaching uh, in a very impartial way. And, 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 that's 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 really um, admirable. Not that Jessel was a bad teacher. No, I don't want to undermine Jessel. <laughs> Jessel was amazing too. Um, but we just need more people like Johnson. And I'm going back to what I was saying, the moderate group. That's going to continue growing. And if um, yeah. we have more people like Mr. Johnson, like people that are like unbiased, they can give us some biased information. I feel like that will kind of like level everything out. We'll balance everything out. We'll, yeah. We won't have as much polarization in order to have that. Um, so yes, uh, that's that's my. Um, that's my take on what we just spoke about. Yeah, so we kind of went off went overboard. On a tangent. So yeah. um, hey, this was it's, only. It's, it's it was a good discussion. Matter. Yes, it's are, there are things that actually matter. You really have conversations that see both sides. Um, yeah, and and you really don't see moderates actually having conversations like these. Uh, yeah. Because like, you know, when I first started having this discussion, I I honestly felt like. Um, it was like you know we shouldn't have e-voting we, we shouldn't have that and you were all for it but what you and, and it, was, it was a good starter I believe but we somehow worked our way to find common ground and yeah. slowly or progressively I was seeing how there are pros and cons not to what we talking about e-voting but like how the, 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 the idea of political polarization there are pros and cons to it um, and, yeah. and and whatnot and there are different approaches to it but, uh, but I feel like we should have moderates I believe or anyone in general we should have unbiased discussions or not unbiased Definitely. discussions necessarily but we should just have healthy discussions where no one Definitely. gets offended or anything because we see that all the time people get offended it's annoying um, I feel like <laughs> we, should, we should be mature about it we should just go through your skin grow up be mature about it and speak politics about politics like adults yeah I agree so tying this all back together once again um, Johnson if you got this far I, I accolade you. you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is a long one. Um, I was only expecting it to be ten minutes, but you know, hey, what? what you do, but yes, that's yeah. That's, I, um, I really like when I'm speaking about this because then I can apply what I'm learning in at school. So that's, that's definitely, awesome. and I can apply what I'm learning. Yeah, yeah I hope um, I can have conversations like this with Johnson too. Yeah. So basically, at the beginning, I was I was really. Using technology and voting, e-voting, um, I still kind of think that if done right, if done right, it could be efficient. It'd be efficient. It could be very efficient. Like I said, yeah. for those who speak different language, for those who are disabled, elderly, military, you know, all that junk. Yeah. But we have to find a way to do it. And also, the bigger underlying issue at hand is informing people. So, you know. That's our podcast. Um, I thank you, Johnson, for listening to this. Um, do you have anything else to say, Mason? Well, I send I send greetings to Mr. Johnson once again. I hope you're doing well, Mr. Johnson. And if, um, Ailee, if you ever need help with anything like episodes like these or podcasts, I'd be more than glad to help you out. I really enjoy discussions <laughs> like these. So yes. Um, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for considering me for your assignment. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Well, bye.